Hi, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri Country. And I'm Nikki Stott. Later in the show today, Malika Murphy speaks with Sasha and Greg from Blockade Australia about the alarming increase in aggressive and repressive tactics from police and the courts against climate defenders who engage in frontline direct action. But first up, Rosie Isaac speaks with Guramora Madathernia woman Josie Alec about the deep concerns that traditional owners in the Pilbara region in WA have around the potential environmental and cultural impacts of Woodside's new gas project at Murujuga on the Burrup Peninsula. So this is a conversation that I had with Josie Alec, a Gurama Madhuthernia custodian from the Pilbara in Western Australia. And Josie joined me earlier in the week to speak about the ongoing destruction of rock art and country on Murujuga or the Burrup Peninsula and the federal government's recent announcement of a $255 million loan to support the development of the Perdamon urea plant on that country. My name's Josie Alec and I'm a Gudaman Manathunia traditional owner in the northwest of Australia in the Pilbara. So um, today we're speaking because the federal government recently announced a $255 million loan to support the development of the Perdamon urea plant on Murujuga or Burrup Peninsula. And before we speak about the plant and also the demands of traditional owners, could you just describe that place and the rock art um, and why it's so important? So the rock art is, uh, is basically our connection, um, it, you know, one of the connections to our country. It holds a law and culture and, you know, a guidance for our people from many, many years ago. And it, it's been there through the evolution of the world um, many times. So it's a total connection. Um, it's our sacred culture, which is, you know, just like people actually going to church. That's our religion, that's our culture, that's everything that we are. So the rocks basically are connected to our people, to Mother Earth, and it holds that connection to our lineage. So the site has actually been shortlisted for UNESCO World Heritage Protection, and I also believe that this federal government even supported that listing. But the rock art, the plants country in general are already being destroyed by heavy industry in the area. So I was just wondering if you could describe for listeners um, what is happening to the rock art and to Murujuga landscape. So over the years, and it's, uh, there's been very many, you know, test, testing um, that, that has proven that, uh, you know, the, the desecration of the rock art is actually happening and it is by the chemicals that are coming out of the, the um the gas plant and um, the other plants and, and industry that are on Murujuga at the moment um, already. So, you know, over the years, it's already been based, if you would like to say. So, you know, um, it's like an invisible graffiti uh, uh, that that they're doing. And, and you know, um, the... the uh, it, yeah, it's very, it's very... It's so sad that you know, that it is a part of... It should be World Heritage listed already. Um, and I, I don't understand how the government can, you know, actually 
on one hand, go and sign deals saying, yes, this would be World Heritage listed, and then the other hand, go and give, you know, nearly over $200 million to start a urea factory there, right on the spot. Um, in the spot that they, just to give you listeners a bit of context, is, context is that in the spot that they want to do it, there are some major, major sites there for our people. Uh, and, you know, they, they are ancestral sites. And, um, you know, it, it, I just don't understand how they think that they can come and move these rocks from where they've been for over centuries and, um, and then, you know, and, and move them and uh, that's okay when it shouldn't be touched in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much um, about what, you know, what you're saying there about what's already going on, about the need for protection of this site, and then also about the complete kind of contradiction of saying you, as a government, um, support the protection of this site whilst at the same time financially supporting these projects and and in the rhetoric that they're talking about these projects as well. So traditional owners like yourself have been clear that they do not support this urea project. Um, I think the, you know, the, the more to the fact is that this is an ongoing issue since the 60s and um, the government don't know how to backpedal now and say they made a mistake back then that, you know, putting, putting this port in and putting this access uh, right on these hills on the, the borough itself with all of the rock art there. So, you know, it's basically, it's, it's like a cover-up. It's like, oh, we'll just, like, pretend it's not actually there. We'll blow it up. We'll just put industry on there so nobody remembers that anything was there. But our old people remember and our ancestors remember, our bloodlines remember, and the songlines never end up, ever end. The songlines belong to Mother Earth and those songlines that we talk about have those connections to all the rock art throughout all the world. You know, this is one of the um, like the, one of the start of the Seven Sisters dreaming stories, and and it goes right through everywhere. Like, and it's it's a story for everybody, for humanity, and it's a creation story that people don't understand. They're actually everybody's actually connected to. So the the thing is, is I don't understand how they can put more emissions out there, and because these these two companies, if they uh, well, if Woodside expand and you know put put their big urea plant on you know very very sacred sites, then it's not only um, you know they're, they're tearing up sacred sites and being disrespectful to you know the oldest living culture in the world, but they are also spreading emissions that are going to go higher than what the UN have said anybody in the world can, and it's right here in Australia they're doing this when we've already, you know, they've already agreed that the emissions in the world need to start to change for the safety of every human being. Um, the thing for me is that I do, I'm a traditional healer and also I do bush medicine. So the thing that worried me the most was that I've been, uh, you know, many years and collecting bush medicine and, you know, I just had to stop collecting it from there because the it's, it's, it's been contaminated by all of the, you know, all of the... Um, chemicals that are coming off there, you've nitrate dioxide and you've got sulphate dioxide, which is, you know, sulphate dioxide has, uh, you know, a couple, quite a few chemicals within the whole compound. And those are hitting, they're, they're hitting the air daily basis 
and they're getting those rocks constantly on a daily basis. I mean, you know, and that, and the air actually, you know, comes over and it's actually affecting people here. You know, I have friends and daughter who walks who works in a, the health system here, and the hospitals can't cope at the moment with, you know, the amount of um, respiratory problems and, you know, and and cancer problems that are happening up here. You know, so a lot of locals need first is to get, you know, get well because of the, you know, and, and that is one factor that, um, you know, that, that people who are quite healthy and heard of it, people who are healthy, who are, who've never drank, who've never smoked in their life, who just have all of a sudden got cancer. How do they get cancer when, you know, what is the factor? It's the environment. And so basically we want to clean this environment up. So it's not only, you know, and it's not only about the health system that won't be able to handle, you know, anything up here. The climate change, you know, we just had a 50-degree day in the Pilbara here. 50 degrees is, you know, that's enough to, you know, burn a lot of things. But just imagine the plants and animals. Uh, I also, you know, doing the bush medicine and the animals also hold connection to the sunlight, to the earth, to to the sea, to everything. And so, you know, we... It's, disrupting their life force as well. You know, we talk about, you know, poisoning the ground, poisoning the, the sea, what these emissions are doing as well. So, I mean, it's, it's bad enough, you know, we see we see it already and we, we're in a place where, you know, it's pretty, pretty barren and it's very hot all the time. We don't get a lot of rain. And, you know, we've just seen floods all around us. We had one day yesterday of rain, um, you know, and it was just it was just one big rain and then it was gone. We 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 don't get rain here, and that's unnatural. You know, mm. the ecosystem is something wrong with it. And um, yeah, when you see the plants that are, I mean, I, I noticed the plants myself. Actually, you know, they're 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 totally out of balance with how they should be growing, growing. You know, many years ago. Uh, in the country, and now they're not growing the same way, or they're not growing, you know, they're not getting the same water supply, mm. uh, or there's something happening under the ground that they're not growing anymore. You know, what actually, you know, we can see physically and, and we, what we feel as well. Yeah, thank you. I, your answer just then, Josie, Josie, was just so, I mean, there's so much in there in terms of um, both the history of, like, the government's history of, like, how they ended up at this point and the path that they're kind of committing to going on even no matter what they say. And then also, yeah, the history of that place and its ongoing, um, you know, importance as this cultural site and just, yeah, the effects that all of this is just so connected because, as you say, it's Woodside who would be supplying the gas for the Perdamon urea plant and creating these emissions in the process, which absolutely is connected to climate change and then yeah of course like if something is in the air kind of um affecting rock or like kind of yeah causing erosion in rock through a chemical process i'm sure that breathing in that air is not going to be good for the people living there either and and that's right and there's also the well-being of the people that are actually working out there i mean yeah fair enough the company gives you money, gives you a good wage, you know, you can get all the stuff that you need, but what's, what's good all stuff is your company's actually killing you while you're working there. Mm. Uh, you know, wouldn't you rather be working in a company, you know, that's producing the same thing but doing it in a different way without the emissions, with zero emissions, you know? I mean, to start, to go to work and do, you know, to instill 
that into your children that you know to, to look after the country to go green to do you know to use green energy and you know instead of um schools that they're doing now it's just ridiculous and the way the world is changing and we we don't want to stay in that old that old industrial you know revolutionary stage we, we need to evolve as well as people as human beings on mother earth and we need to start connecting and um you know really opening our hearts and feeling uh, you know, what everything she has to offer. And I think there's a lot that Mother Earth has to lo- offer people. And, you know, that's how we feel. But we can't keep on desecrating ancient, ancient history because that history holds the keys to our future. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just on that, you know, sadly, Murujuga is not the only case of destruction of sacred land by mining and other industries across this continent. Like, we know of what happened at Chukun Gorge and only the other day um, Gamilaray people and their supporters were protesting against fracking by Santos on their country. So I was just wondering if you wanted to comment on the way that, you know, this destruction keeps happening, um, even though governments do say they're committed to protecting country. Because they're all linked. You know, they they do gas projects left up and down this country, up and down this coast. They do fracking to, you know, to go and do their supplies and, and however they do it. But they're going to have to frack in these particular places. I know the, the Kimberley mob don't want it. I know the Geraldton mob don't want it. You know, the, the Murchison that. And it, all for what? For, you know, for this, this destruction and desecration of the country. Um, it's, it's not fair on her and it's not fair on us. Mm. So um, finally, Josie, just before we run out of time, I was wondering if you could update us on what the next steps for opposing this plant are for you and what listeners can do to help amplify your voices and follow what's happening. Um, we want to start to bring together all the guys, like even the guys with the Adani um, project that they're sitting out there. You know, we want to sort of support all, all of us and support each other around teaching people how sacred this is and teaching people, you know, and and. and trying to get other people to understand this is why it's so important to everybody. So I think um, if, if people can jump on Facebook and just look up Save Our Songline, Save the Bar Up, we're there. We've got lots of information on there about our project and why we're doing this. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Up next, we'll be going to an interview with Malika. Thanks, Rosie. Um, We will be joined by Sasha and Greg from Blockade Australia to speak about climate activism. Sasha has been doing climate, anti-war and human rights activism for the last three years and has found her niche in supporting direct action and has been arrested for the cause as well. Greg is a full-time supporter of Frontline Nonviolent Direct Action, and he's currently supporting Blockade Australia, who seek to use strategic nonviolent resistance to the colonial extraction project called Australia. So the blockade took place on Waramai in a walkable country uh, at the world's largest coal port, um, and it was a place that uh, Blockade Australia decided to use strategic nonviolent direct action not just because coal is a terrible contributor to the climate emergency that we find ourselves in. Once we go past 1.5 degrees, we are facing catastrophic ecosystem collapse. 
um, due to fossil fuel burning, and the, the governments have failed to act. Uh, and that is because there is large, large amounts of profit to be made by a few people at the top at the expense of the rest of the ecosystem that we all rely on. So for a long time, some of us have been using uh, nonviolent direct action and we've been trying to foment the best way to use that strategically. And what we ended up deciding on was to target the Newcastle coal port, not just because of the coal that's exported from there that contributes to global warming, but also because it is an economic bottleneck. So just a few people um, with a little bit of love and commitment could cause some major uh, economic disruption to the Australian project because the Australian colonial project is, of course, the problem. It's for 200 years has been, uh, you know, a colonial system that has sought to extract and destroy the Earth's systems on this continent that has contributed to this climate collapse. So we used the um, smallest to, to try and cost the Australian project as much money as possible at a place where there's one coal line, uh, one train line going in and out, uh, and one port that we can get onto. And uh, because we're costing so much money and the level of um, severe police repression that we face is also a testament to how much money we were costing the colonial project. And with enough pressure, hopefully we can force some change and get some real uh, ecosystem and climate justice from our governments. And um, so that's sort of what we've been up to and we're planning some stuff in the near future. There were some not-so-great impacts of that, Sasha. From what you've shared, it, it sounds like the police's power was used in a way that it was not intended to. So that sounds incredibly challenging to have not just your car, but essentially your whole life, like everything you need to do your day-to-day -day living taken from you so quickly and so unfairly. And could you tell us a bit more about um, what happened following and the impacts of having your car unfairly taken from your possession. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge um, a huge misuse of, of power there. And what we saw was the police trying to take punishment into their own hands, um, even though I had been, um, you know, through court the day after I was arrested and I had been charged, the matter was finalised. Um, and yet, when I came out of the station, they said, nope, it's being held um, for further investigation, um, even though, you know, there was no investigation to be had. So, um, you know, they went through and um, searched the whole car, um, you know, fingerprinted DNA search, uh, and, you know, it was pretty much under the guise of this... Um, law that was literally written for drug and gang-related activity, um, which this was clearly not um, related to at all. When I had the car taken, I was literally, like, you know, um, sent out into the world without a phone, without a wallet, without a car, without a home. Um, it was only just super lucky that I had, um, you know, community around me that could support um, support me. And through this whole, you know, up until last Friday when we had the court, um, you know, I've had a huge impact to, um, you know, my mental health, my lifestyle, um, you know, coming back to Queensland. It was, you know, thankfully Greg was able to, um, you know, help and assist with that. But, um, you know, I've had to rely as a really dependable person in my community, I've had to rely on other people um, to really help me out. Um, and, yeah, you know, um, I've definitely seen um, such a good side of the community um, recently. 
Um, and, you know, as well as the car, a lot of our, mine and my partner's possessions were also in the car because we were traveling and, you know, most of the things that we just um, had, you know, on us were in the car um, and got kind of taken away as well. Um, luckily, I eventually, you know, had to keep fighting back and, um, and hassling um, the police to, you know, give me my things back that weren't related to the, um, to the incident. But, uh, yeah, it was not easy, that's for sure. You know, in court, it was, a, it was clear that the police had overstepped um, and that it was an inappropriate, um, you know, use of the law that they were trying to use. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, Greg, if you want to add anything else to that as well. So, as Sasha said, she um, had been through court and found guilty when they then decided to seize her car. Um, and, and bear in mind, we've been taking place in some pretty minor non-violent direct actions. And the other thing that really uh, got to me, which I don't think of any coverage at all in the media, um, really, which is kind of um, abhorrent, but uh, Sasha was also given by the court at the time a non-association order with their partner. So this is someone with whom they lived with and shared with, uh, their lives with, and now um, legally cannot contact or talk to a partner. And that's been some months. And I know um, for both of them, that's been quite devastating. And this is something that was brought in to break up bike gang activity. Uh, and this was used several times to other people, no, no one's, um, you know, life partner. But um, the fact that the courts could just say, yeah, you know, as part of the punishment, you cannot associate with this person has been absolutely horrific. And the fact there's been no media coverage and we're just kind of allowing this to happen, uh, I think it bodes very poorly for what's going to happen in the future is you know, the, the material effects of climate collapse really hit people on this continent, just exactly what courts and governments might try to get up to. Yeah, it, like, you know, and, and what I'm talking about is I was charged with two counts of attempt, you know, two attempt charges um, that I was not doing. Um, and yet, you know, because of the intimidation used, like my story is not, um, it's not at all you know, a new one. Um, it's just that it, it hasn't been heard or, or told by the, the right person or the person that is, people are willing to listen to. We were doing an action every day, blocking um, these coal trains from going in to, to extract from, from our earth. As that effect went on, the political pressure grew and they actually brought in a police task force that was originally meant to target, you know, drug gangs. And so they had to have... The, the police had to try and punish someone because it was simply costing the corporate elite too much money and too much pressure on them. So they were there to serve and protect the, the profit of the corporate elite who are, as, as you said before, um, destroying the planet which we were trying to protect. Uh, and so they've, they've taken Sasha's car, who, mind you, was not found on the coal port. You know, she was convicted of attempting to get onto the coal port. Um, she hadn't even done, you know, much wrong at all. And... And we punished in such a, a way that, you know, to not be able to associate with your partner, I would call that clearly, you know, a fascist thing to be doing, uh, and then not get media coverage because the, you know, it's 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 quite horrible, and again, just bodes very poorly for what is now an emergency for for our climate and our ecosystems. Yeah, thank you both for um, kind of sharing that and drawing more attention to what's going on. It is really important to know how these sorts of things have the ripple effects on people in community and just being mindful of time as we wrap up is 
for people that are interested in following up and learning more about what's going, how can they kind of follow the both of you and the work you're doing? Yeah, well, obviously, we, we need people to get involved. Like, it's, um, you know, we, we need supporters from home. But, you know, this planetary emergency is not going to stop. The people in power with the money are not going to stop. They're, going to, they're scared and they're going to keep making money until basically the ecosystems collapse and we all die. So we all need to make this a priority as best we can with our lives. Um, so we need people to get involved in whatever the way they can in um, supporting or being part of um, non-violent direct action. So Blockade Australia has a website. You can just Google Blockade Australia, it comes up. We're also on Facebook and we'll, we, we will be converging in Sydney um, Plans are currently underway to do a, a large-scale blockade again in Sydney from the 27th of June, and people have said, why is that far away? Well, it takes that long to plan and organise and coordinate decent action. Um, so look out for us again in June, but please get involved in any way you can in any direct action for our planet um, because the people, the only thing that's going to stop people with a lot of money power is a lot of people with a lot of love, um, and our home is now at stake. So whatever privilege level you have to get involved, please, please get involved because um, your community, your planet, we all need you. So yeah. there's something for everyone to do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both, Sasha and Greg, for joining us this morning and um, sharing a bit more about what's going on through the work you're both doing. Yeah. Thanks um, so much for having me. It's really important. Um, and, you know, it's not too easy being in the spotlight, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really important to spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sasha. And we just heard from Sasha and Greg from Blockade Australia, who joined us to talk about climate activism and the impacts of a blockade activity that they did last year. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. And today on the show, we heard from frontline climate activists at Blockade Australia about their concerns around the alarming increase in aggressive and repressive tactics from police and courts. And you can find out more about this campaign at blockadeaustralia.com. We also heard from Guramura Madathenia woman, Josie Alec, about traditional owners' deep concerns in WA's Pilbara region with Woodside's dangerous new gas project at Muraduga on the Burrup Peninsula. And you can follow this campaign on the Facebook page, Save the Burrup, Save Our Songlines. And you can find today's podcast and all the details and links from today's show at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we would love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for today, but don't forget, tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories.